0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. The muscles involved in facial expression are what we're going to talk about today. It's important for the dental hygienist to be comfortable with the different features of the face and the neck. The groups of muscles are divided up into different groups, and we're going to talk about those. They're divided as follows. The cervical muscles, the muscles of the pharynx, the muscles of the facial expression component, the muscles of mastication, the hyoid muscle, the muscles of the tongue, and the muscles of the soft palate. In this episode, we will review the muscles involved in spatial expression. We'll also take a look at how this information translates into clinical practice. We'll then look at the muscles involved in mastication and review the locations as well as the function. Important for the dental hygienist to not only know where the muscles are located, understand the origin and insertion points of those muscles, what the function is of those muscles, and what that looks like in the clinical setting when a patient presents with an abnormality or problem. So that's what we're going to talk about. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! Let's just go over some of the basic facts about muscles. So muscles are one of the four classifications of body tissue types and it consists of specialized fibers involved in the contraction process. So The primary function of muscles is for movement or action. The contraction is the action of those muscle fibers. And those kind of go under two different categories, either involuntary or voluntary. Now, origin is the attachment to relatively immovable or stationary structures or least movable stationary structure. So an example would be this sternocleidomastoid muscle originates on the clavicle and sternum. So this is a structure. Insertion, the attachment is to something that's a little more movable. So insertion moves towards the origin during the contraction process. So an example of this, if we're using the sternocleidomastoid muscle, is that it inserts on the mastoid process of the temporal bone, and the muscles move the head. Innervation is the nerve supply for the muscles. The muscles involved in facial expression are paired, meaning that there is one on each side of the midline of the face, and they are superficial, meaning that they are located just under the skin. These muscles of facial expression originate in either bone or muscle and they insert into either skin or muscle, depending on which muscle that you are reviewing. The muscles of facial expression are innervated by the seventh cranial nerve and this is important for you to know. This is also known as the facial nerve. These muscles are responsible for speech, emotional expression, and mastication. There are 15 muscles involved in facial expression. And in this episode, we're gonna take a look at each of them to carefully review the location and function of each of them. Now, starting in the region of the scalp, we have the epicranial, or the occipital frontalis. This muscle is composed of two bellies, and it is located in the frontal and occipital region, connected by the epicranial aponeurosis across the top of the head. The occipital belly of the epicranial muscle originates in the occipital and temporal bone and inserts into the epicranial aponeurosis. The frontal belly of the epicranial muscle originates in the epicranial aponeurosis and inserts into the skin tissue of the eyebrow and nose. Now, the action of the epicranial or occipital frontalis muscle is to raise the eyebrows and scalp, wrinkle the forehead, and perform a surprised look. Think about what it is for an actor or actress to use the epicranial muscle. Doo doo doo, they're raising their eyebrows, and some people are really good at this, right? So they have a really well-developed apocranial muscle. The buccinator is the main muscle of the cheek, and it's a horizontal muscle that runs from the obicularis oris back to the ramus of the mandible. The buccinator originates from the maxillary alveolar process and the mandibular alveolar process. The buccinator inserts into the skin tissue at the angle of the mouth and under the orbicularis oris. The action of the buccinator is to pull the mouth laterally, compress the cheeks inward, and keep food right on the chewing surfaces of the teeth while you're trying to eat. A fun anatomy fact about the buccinator is that the Stenson's duct passes right through this muscle, which is kind of cool. The rasorius is another muscle located in the mouth region that originates at the masseter muscle, which we haven't discussed yet, but we will. The rasorius inserts at the angle of the mouth, and it's responsible for the action of smiling or widening the mouth. So, people who smile a lot have a well-developed risorius muscle. Looking at the upper lip region, the levator labii superioris is a broad, flat muscle that originates on the lateral aspect of the nose. It extends laterally towards the zygomatic bone and inserts into the skin and muscles of the upper lip. The levator labii superioris is responsible for raising the upper lip when you're talking or smiling, as well as dilating the nostrils. Do you know somebody who can do that on cue? Dilate their nostrils and flare their nostrils a little bit? Maybe they have a really well-developed labii superioris muscle. Another facial muscle involved with facial expression that is sometimes grouped with the levator labii superioris is the levator labii superioris aliquae nasi muscle. This muscle is located over the top of the levator labii superioris and it's responsible for the action of raising the upper lip and dilation of the nostrils as well. The zygomatic minor muscle of facial expression originates in the zygomatic bone and inserts into the upper lip, just adjacent to the labii superioris muscle. It's responsible for the action of elevating or raising the upper lip and assisting other muscles to smile. The zygomatic major muscle originates on the zygomatic bone and inserts into the angle of the mouth. The zygomatic major muscle is responsible for the action of pulling the angle of the mouth laterally. It contracts in tandem with the oculi when the smiling process occurs. The levator anguli oris is a facial expression muscle that is located just underneath the zygomatic major and zygomatic minor muscles. The levator anguli oris is responsible for the action of elevating the corner of the mouth when you're smiling. There's a lot of muscles involved in the process of smiling. Let's take a look at the lower lip region. The depressor anguli oris originates on the side of the mandible and inserts at the angle of the mouth. The depressor anguli oris is responsible for the action of depressing the angle of the mouth in a frown expression. The depressor labii inferioris originates on the side of the mandible and inserts into the lower lip. The depressor labii inferioris is responsible for the action of lowering the lip to expose the mandibular incisors. The mentalis muscle originates on the mandible and inserts into the chin area. The mentalis muscle is responsible for the actions of raising the chin, protruding the lower lip, and it narrows the vestibule near the mandibular incisors. The platysma is the final muscle involved in facial expression, and this muscle runs from the neck all the way to the mouth. The platysma originates in the clavicle and shoulder and inserts into the lower edge of the mandible and the muscles of the mouth. The platysma is responsible for the action of pulling down the corners of the mouth. I want you to consider what the functions of each muscle are and try to see if you can relate these directly to patient care in the clinical setting. A patient who has challenges forming a facial expression related to emotion may have damage to cranial nerve number seven, which is the facial nerve responsible for facial expression. Let's take a look at the four muscles involved in the masticatory process. These are four pairs of muscles divided by the midline of the face and are located on each side of the face. All of the muscles involved in mastication insert into the mandible and are innervated by cranial nerve number five, the trigeminal nerve. These muscles are responsible for the movement of the jaw and are located a little bit deeper than the facial muscles. Each of the muscles of mastication are beneath the facial muscles. Starting with the masseter muscle, which is the largest and strongest of the muscles of mastication, it is located just anterior to the parotid salivary gland and is flexed or enlarged while clenching and grinding. The masseter muscle plays a role in the elevation of the mandible. The masseter muscle can be palpated directly during your extraoral intraoral exam process. The masseter muscle originates on the zygomatic arch and inserts into the angle of the mandible. The masseter is responsible for the action of lifting and elevating the mandible during closing of the jaw. The temporalis muscle is a fan shaped muscle that runs behind the zygomatic arch in the infratemporal fossa. The temporalis muscle originates in the temporal fossa and inserts into the coronoid process. The temporalis is responsible for the action of elevating the mandible during closing and retraction of the mandible or to retrude the jaw. The medial or internal pterygoid runs parallel with the master muscle. It's located a little deeper on the inside of the mandible and it forms a mandibular sling with the masseter muscle. It's a little bit weaker than the masseter muscle in terms of strength and function. And the medial or internal pterygoid originates in the pterygoid fossa, the plates of the sphenoid bone, and it inserts on the medial surface on the angle of the mandible. The action of the medial internal pterygoid is elevation of the mandible during closure of the jaw. The lateral external pterygoid is the entire muscle that lies deep within the infratemporal fossa. And it's the only muscle of mastication that runs horizontally. And this muscle, the lateral pterygoid, helps maintain tension on the temporomandibular disc during jaw movement. The origin of the lateral pterygoid muscle is the superior head originates from the greater wing of the sphenoid bone. The inferior head originates from the lateral pterygoid plate of the sphenoid bone. The insertion, the two heads join on the neck of the mandibular condyle and extends into the TMJ capsule and disc area. The action of the lateral pterygoid, the inferior head only, the action is it slightly depresses the mandible during opening. The superior head only is involved with the slight elevation of the mandible. One side contracts, there's a lateral deviation or the mandible shifts when you're doing your clinical evaluation. Both sides are involved in the action of protrusion of the mandible. You can link oral anatomy to clinical practice. Think about considerations in the clinical setting. Sometimes the masseter muscle can appear very large when you're talking with your patient and that might present when you're checking and evaluating your patient and you have them clench their teeth together. They may have an overdeveloped masseter muscle, which would be consistent with a clenching habit or someone who chews gum frequently. In the clinical setting, a careful evaluation of the masseter muscle is necessary if your patient presents with facial pain. Since the pain can originate from a distant site and be referred to this area, there are several disorders involving the masseter muscle and the surrounding areas. So you wanna do a careful evaluation if your patient presents with any of these issues. Thanks so much for listening today. Join me next time and we will review the remaining muscles that complete the head and neck anatomy. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.